0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Faultline Social Podcast. This is the Beer Garden. Um, today's episode, we talk about whether it's right or not for sites that review music, kind of like ours, to uh, take money from artists in order to feature their work. We talk about a DJ who did something similar and was fired because of it. And then, yeah, there's just kind of some rambling chat at the end. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it and take it easy. Thank you.
1: Yeah, how is everyone? What's going on, Rob? Mate, what a question. My answer's not as good as it used to be prior to the pandemic, but I'm all right. Yeah, pretty chilling. I went for a big walk today. Um, We've been doing the podcast, haven't we? Uh, Yeah, pretty chilling, man. I've got into like weeknight telly, you know, and there's like a program on at nine and they show one episode every week. Oh, like serialized dramas on BBC1 yeah, yeah. it's actually yeah. it's actually cuz of Netflix and everything now i haven't been used to watching a show one episode a week and it's actually like quite long you know <laughs> that, you know that bit at the start like what happened last time i've realized how important that is cuz i genuinely completely forget
0: <laughs> yeah i think yeah skip recap on Netflix is like the most pressed button but you know if you're only watching one episode a week then yeah you like do not skip recap
2: it's like, like travelling back in time though isn't it it's like when you, explain to, um, when you explain to kids and whatever, that you can't pause every form of, you know, with, even on TV nowadays, with like, you know, skyboxes, whatever the hell, you can literally pause live TV and just go. that You don't have that mad panic of like, like you've got one ad break to go, and go to the toilet, get a drink and get back before it starts again.
1: Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's a shame, really. That's actually how efficient people used to be on I mean, their make a cup of tea. Go to the toilet. I like, do all of this in like you know eight adverts time. I think yeah, people are just got lazy, man.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, people got it down to a fine art, didn't they? Like you know, does I know you know this ad break is going to be three and a half minutes long? When the DFS advert comes on, I've got twenty seconds to get back to the sofa,
1: <laughs> yeah. and like
0: with my cup of tea and like yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: so this is a really this is a really sad fact, but I've actually been there. So there is a power station in Festiniog in Wales that is primarily used for, like, surge um, electrical needs. So, like, the halftime break in the FA Cup final or on a more basic level, like, you know, the ad break in Coronation Tree or something, where if you imagine, you know, like, 20% of the country go and put their kettle on at the same time, you suddenly get this massive burst. Basically, they just just chuck all this water down the mountain and pipe it back up and just rinse and repeat, literally, to, to generate the power that's that's going to change i imagine there's not going to be so much of a need for you know massive surge like that anymore
1: god yeah it's, it's such a knockout effect even to little even to stuff like that the internet like you you would never think like internet affects that like a like a power station in wales you know
2: it is mental but on a, on a side note they've got these as you go up to it they've got these it's like six mad really tight hairpins and they filmed like a bond film up there
0: i don't know which one i forget that would be a better fact if i remembered that probably one of the timothy dalton ones if it was i would imagine in wales yeah
2: but uh yes yeah, so i'm gonna uh, that there are my two um welsh mountain power <laughs> related facts
0: for you we <laughs> we'll have another two for you next week so oh, <laughs> <from me. laughs> <laughs> they have to be power station and Wales related. Um, no man. But speaking of that, um, you know the uh, of like the knock-on effects. You know, there's been like snowstorms in Texas and stuff, and like there's just there's just no power because like people can't put the heating on all at the same time in Texas because they've just never fucking had to do that. No, they
2: have their own power grid. This is this is Texas, right? So the, the Texan attitude. They were like, if I could, we're not dealing with the fed with the, with the federal government. We're going to have our own power grid, which of course failed. And then, you know, they're they're all independent. I mean, they were going to... They were talking about... Their governor was talking about seceding from the United States with the whole malarkey. Um, And now, obviously, it's got down to minus 22. People's pipes are freezing and burst and all sorts of shit's going wrong. And the first thing that they do is turn around and go... You know, can we
0: have some money, please? Federal government. Yeah, it's just like um I mean, I do feel sorry for the people there because, like, the people, it's yeah, horrible. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's just weird that like this huge, like, all this infrastructure is just not equipped to deal with like cold temperatures. I mean, we can't really talk in England. Like, as soon as it snows, we shut down. But like, but, like the power still works, man. Like, everyone can turn their electricity on in general. But just because everyone's doing it at the same time in Texas, it's just I just found it mad that. They just didn't have the capacity to deal with people trying to turn their heaters on at the same time, like
1: yeah, as if they have like a yeah. system in place that doesn't support that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's weird because it's never had to, right? So they're just like, oh, it's no, it's not going to snow here. Like, well, <laughs> it's, it's a different,
2: men- it's a different mentality. Like our houses are built primarily to like to keep in, whether it's like insulation, but it's you know thicker brick walls and all this sort of stuff. Like you don't get wooden housing in this country
1: no. because
2: no you freeze, like you'd be fucking miserable most of the time plus with all the bastard rain it would probably rot you know whatever um obviously they've got you know big airy wooden houses and all sorts of stuff you know and it's designed for a warmer climate because obviously nine times out of ten you know they absolutely crap themselves when they get snow because it happens once a year and it suddenly goes to like minus 22 because of how much of a huge landmass it is mm. so i was taking the piss i thought i forgot to say, they've had like two inches of snow and
0: it's a little bit cold and they're going absolutely ballistic. And then I was like, oh, minus 22. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Two. You see, I yeah. thought it was because like, oh, it's Texas, so like cold for them. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, 20 degrees or whatever. But no, it actually is genuinely very fucking cold. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's bad I mean, people run. in
2: Minnesota are laughing their ass off at them, but,
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 So uh yeah, this week, I mean, this happened a couple of weeks ago now, but there was that capital extra who which is a uh, radio station in england one of their djs dj dj tiny dj tinny i don't he's got two eyes in his name so i'm not sure how to pronounce it but yeah let's go with tiny uh so he's fired basically for taking money 200 quid a time to play kind of songs on his prime time prime time radio show um you know and obviously the bbc thought that was a you know contravention of fair use and all that stuff um so they said sack him off But I just wondered what you guys thought of that, because to my mind, I thought, you know, uh, as much as it is, you know, kind of a shitty thing to do, what's the difference between paying, like, a DJ 200 quid to play your song and, like, just paying, like, a publicist to promote your song? Like, is there a... Like, what do we think about what this guy did?
1: I think because with the publicist thing, it's, like, that's intentional. And obviously, a you know, thought about decision to have a third-party guy involved, whereas, like... He he surely works for the radio station, like they pay his salary, and you, the radio station get listeners from fans of music in general. So it's like he shouldn't be taking a cut because he's like jumping in without anybody asking him to. It's like he's like he's been invited to this party that nobody really wanted him to go to, and he's just rocked up somehow, so like hop the fence to get in the garden. Because yeah, because if, if you're paying him as like a publicist, then like you you obviously like willingly want him involved and know how your money's being spent. But if he's taking a cut every time just like from his own decision. Yeah, it's not fair. I think he's abusing his position by doing it.
0: Yeah, that's that was the kind of general idea is who's abusing abusing the position to make for his own profit. I suppose that's the the argument, right? What do you what do you think James?
2: Yeah, it's um so obviously yeah, this happened sort of a couple of weeks ago. It's not the most sensible way to to do this. Um so he emailed the the producer and said If you want play on my, if you want to get you know your stuff played on my show, then it's two hundred pounds a track. So I'm going to assume that he didn't use his like BBC email address or whatever it is.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's how they caught him.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, so effectively, it's against Ofcom regulations, so it breaks the broadcasting code, apparently. So you can see why that why that's the case because it's. It's just punishing those that aren't, you know, don't have the funds to kind of furnish that situation. But also it kind of, as we've said, it goes against the the ethos of what the DJ is supposed to do. But part of me kind of thinks I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, use him as sort of a Robin Hood example because that doesn't fit in almost all of the case of it. But that's basically what radio stations do, Mm. right? On the grander scheme of things, like radio stations play what labels want them to play. Like if you take that relationship out of the situation, then, you know, like independent privately run radio stations that play only what they want to play or only what the DJs on the show want to play. That's not even, that's not real anymore. That, that's, that hasn't been the case for Christ knows how long, like, you know, the sixties or whatever, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you when that stopped being the thing. Um, And it's, it's all coming out of, you know, the big money-making corporations. Um, So what's the, what's the difference? He's, you know, to to use one of my favorite mafia phrases, the DJ is just wetting his beak, you know, like he's just getting, getting his piece of the action. Now, just because he's a lower level employee and he's already being paid for that role, does that make it better, worse, any different? Like, I don't know. I mean, on the on the grand scheme of things, yes, as a, as an entire entity, paying to get your music played um, in any way, shape, or form, isn't right. Like there the should be, you know, like that dream of having your own radio show and getting to play whatever you like. Well, that's that's not true anyway. You get given a playlist to play, and there used to be all sorts of restrictions. Like, I mean, how many times now do you see radio stations that advertise? Like, you know, no repeats between 10 and 6 or 9 and 5, or whatever it is. Well, yeah, the reason why they had to do that is because they were told, right, you are going to play this single three times every hour or, you know, whatever, three times every two hours or something like that. So they've already been basically paid to play the music. And this guy's just, just getting his little cut, getting his taste of the action.
0: Yeah, that's what you know. That I think when you said about Ofcom regulations, that's that. I mean, that's that. Why he got fired, right? Because it contravenes yeah, yeah. these kind of things. But yeah, from like I don't know. Like considering how well you've already kind of said how how radio stations work, and you basically are people are paying to have songs played on the radio. Whether that's it's not the artist, it's the the record company that produces and promotes them. So like from like a moral standpoint i don't think he's doing anything different to how radio stations actually run but obviously it goes against the grain of what he's been told to do so he gets he gets the can um, yeah it's a weird one man and i don't actually agree with it i don't agree with the fact that you know you could um and we'll come onto this like in a little bit about you know because we we do like the blog and stuff and we we've talked like several times about like you know what would happen if someone paid us to do a review I mean God forbid oh someone would actually pay us you know uh, but you know if, if that did happen um like wh- you know how would we be obligated to handle that um we could move on to that actually because you know that's that's quite interesting like if if someone said to you Rob like you know I'll give you fifty quid to write a, a review in your on your blog on your online blog like uh well, yeah, what would you thought you'd do it what would you thought speedman
1: so like this is this goes two ways really because Obviously, that's really nice and quite frankly, easy money, man. <laughs> if I'm honest yeah. with you. Yeah. But I don't mean to sound like uh, anything else, but just to review like a five-track EP or an album, like it's not really too strenuous. Um, but this, that whole element is why paid promotion is actually quite corrupt in like the modern music world, especially in journalism and in the modern industry because people pay, excuse me, publications and websites to review stuff. And some, and in some cases, more than you'd expect, like Bitcoin, a lot of money to be featured in like a magazine that's probably made, maybe even like a mid-level sale thing, like a lot of money. And obviously, if someone's paying, like sometimes they might even pay £400 to review an EP and have an interview, honestly. And if 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 they give it to a writer and he honestly doesn't like it, he should honestly say it's bad, uh, or like you know give constructive criticism. But then he's probably not going to do that because the magazine are going to say don't say it's bad because then this label will stop paying us money every time and that's how we make income apart from sales. So I think I think from like uh, on the surface point of view, yeah, that's really good. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I would I would do it. But the thing is it's like it get it gets so lost in translation so fast because I think honesty is very easy to lose sight of when that stuff is going on. Uh, I think I think that's a bigger problem now. Now everything's online and stuff and it's just so competitive. Um, that's how a lot of uh, sites and publications make money to be honest with paid promotion and um and some of it's for bands who don't really deserve it and there might be one thing one month one thing the next just for like five six months just while this labels this label with a lot of money is promoting that band and wants to get them out there um and that's kind of wrong because it's it's not honest and it's just paid promotion so i think on the surface is everybody's goal as a writer and everybody involved with this side of it but i think it does add an element of um fakeness and not honest uh, outlets for the writers essentially because people are just going to keep doing it for the money because you would you're surely you would like if someone's like well i'll give you 130 quid to review two albums and you're like and then and then you know you want to keep it going from the from the agent the label you're probably going to say it's good because they're going to keep paying you
0: yeah i mean it's that thing of um you know are you being paid to be a content writer like and actually you know put content on a website so people will click on it and the website will generate traffic or are you being paid to say something nice about the band right because you're almost like fulfilling two roles you're kind of like you're half content producer half advertising or like pay, paying this band in whatever light that you choose to so yeah. the role isn't really very defined when you're getting paid um whereas at least if you're a magazine writer you get paid a salary and your editor gives you like you know, like oh, I want you to review this album this week or whatever. If you work for like Kerrang magazine or whatever, it doesn't matter because because the money's like you know generated. However,
1: like it's not because like they they run ads and they sell sell copies, so people can afford to say that stuff is shit or like could be a lot right. better.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I think, I think it's the yeah, it's where the money comes from, isn't it? That's what makes the difference. Yeah, but I think I think it goes. Not saying it, it corrupts absolutely in every case, but. Obviously, then the, if the money's coming from, like you say, in a normal magazine model, it's coming from advertising revenue and whatever, um, then there's kind of that incentive to write what would have been, I suppose, like clickbait, you know, like headline-grabbing articles. Like you absolutely trash something, you know, like that kind of where you'd get that sort of, the shock criticism kind of things where you absolutely trash stuff. And it's, ele- it's like the whole Gordon Ramsay stick when he's on TV, like the whole, you know, when he reviews people's food on Twitter or whatever it is, or Instagram.
1: It's on TikTok,
2: yeah. Yeah, it just trashes it because it's it's entertaining to... I mean, look, I mean, I've written articles for Faultline where I've literally just torn something to shreds. I haven't done it because I'm just picking right, that's the thing, I want to write a trash piece, I'll listen to it, and if it's absolute trash, I'm just going to say it is. Mm. You know, I mean, it could just, it is obviously my opinion, you know, but if I don't like it, I'm not going to wax lyrical about it because I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that,
1: you know. Exactly, but the thing is, it's like, if you were a band, then they gave you, like, 60 quid, James. You know, pinged you with your bank details, £60 to write a review of their like five track EP, and you you said it was like pretty shit, one out of five. They'd be like, What the fuck? We paid this guy like £60 and he just slagged us off.
2: The fun thing, there is that expectation that <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to pay money for a decent review, but I'm sorry, that's that, that buyers' remorse. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> that buyer's I'm remorse. Very explicit that I've been like, Okay, if you're going to pay me, then that's fine, but if I don't like it, you know, it's either that, or you just damn it with main phrase, and you just give it like a three out of five, and you just yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, guess, put your way around it. And yeah, whatever. you're just, still changing what you think though, based on.
2: But you you'd read that art, you'd read that review, and it would just sound so like flat and forced, and mm. you know what?
1: Yeah, of course you would, man. And you you'd you would feel like it's just dragging, like you're watching the clock, waiting to finish your shift. You'd be like, For fuck's sake, man.
2: I would feel dirty with every letter that I typed. I'd be like, uh,
1: uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, yeah, man, like. I think paid promotion is a big problem in like the modern journalism world because it takes away a lot of artistic like integrity from the writer, and it gives the readers not honest stuff to read. Essentially, the content suffers, and but it's also sad for the bands as well because you know it's it's not it's it's a different age. People shouldn't have to people should be having to fork out their pocket for a review because like back in the day. Obviously, there was a lot less magazines, and the internet didn't exist. Or even, I don't know, twenty ten, pre twenty ten. You know, the same emails got sent out all the time, but nobody paid. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was all off record sales, and the whole, the whole money flow has changed. But I think paid promotion is quite bad. I would say, but it's obviously if someone, if someone's paying us sixty pounds to review six songs, yeah, chillin', man. We can just go spend that at the pub and get trashed. You know,
0: <laughs> that's it, man. I, I do agree, it's bad. Um, the moral case for it is is like very blurred as we've touched upon. But there's also this other face to it almost where it's not just like the writer that's you know having to compromise and do these things, but the artist actually um suffers because if you're being told to put money out up front, you know, like by um by like a blog or you know like a website and they're like, oh we'll pay like you know pay us this certain amount of money. We'll put like a review on our site and you know it's going to cost you two hundred quid or whatever. And you know, going into it, we say we will give you a good review. Okay, so that there's no expectation that it's going to be good or bad. We we're, we're saying before we write this piece, it's going to be good. It's going to show you in a good way. Yeah,
1: your mind's made up. Your mind's made right. up. Right. Yeah. So, but even if that's the
0: case, has that been oversold the importance of that 200 quid? Because I think there's kind of like some predatory element there when like younger bands are kind of like told, you know, pay us this money and we'll basically give you a good review. Um, yeah, really. that's fine that's all above board but like what are they really getting for their 200 quid like it's if i think if you're being told to fork out money up front by someone who's offering to do something for you then uh i don't know like that's another kind of kind of gray area that i don't really agree yeah with. it's
1: like preying on impressionable young bands really to right. fork out their money which they've worked hard to earn for for what and what they're probably led to believe is like a an opportunity that will i don't know blow them up Mm. give them like a a massive increase in like the listening uh, fan base really or just you know expose them to like all these people that are suddenly going to start listening to it on Spotify and taking interest but realistically that's probably not going to happen yeah people might check it out definitely but no way man it doesn't work like that just because it's in a magazine every single person who buys that magazine is not going to start listening to your band and I think I think people lie and uh, young bands young bands especially who go independently who pay these Plays like publications and sites. That's what happens, man, and it's very wrong.
2: Things like if you change, so change the like the circumstances, but keep the ethos of the like the exchange the same. So it's no real difference. Well, correct me if if you feel otherwise. But if you've got a guy that's got a tiny little sort of semi-seedy studio, and he's basically going up to girls in the street and going oh, you look like you could be a model. Why don't you pay me a hundred quid and I'll do like a load of, you know, I'll do a kind of a portfolio for you. Well, I'm not suggesting that these are going to be like scantily clad photos or any of that other nonsense. Just literally, I will take like 20 photos of you for a hundred quid in a studio and there you go. Like, and then, then you've got yourself a portfolio. You're never um, going to work, and work again and you'll be on Big Brother. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be, well, I suppose now it would be, Yeah, you're going to be farmed off to all these celebrity shy shows, whatever. Yeah. But is that that that's no different to what we're talking about? And that guy will be condemned for being a scam artist because he doesn't know these modelling fucking companies, or he isn't in with the endemol producers, and they're going to get them on fucking Big Brother or whatever it is. Like it's just a scam, and it's the same thing. Like, you could say, right, like, we have the readership. Of two hundred thousand people read this read this magazine every week, like you know, some colossal figure. Yeah, but there's no causality between, like you've said, Rob. There's no causality between the amount of people that read this versus the amount of people that go out and buy these albums. Like I used to be subscribed to Classic Rock magazine, right? I had I had it for two years, and I can count on one hand the albums that I bought off reading reviews in that in that magazine. But I went away and I listened to it but I listened to it for free on Spotify or whatever. And then maybe went and bought the album. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But that's it. that's all you're going to get. Right. So if you're a band, if, if you're the person that's the other end of the line that goes, I will give you a good review. It'll be fine. And like you say, it's going to cost 200 quid. We'll do an interview and I'll review your EP, your album, whatever else. Boom. There's no guarantee of anything there at all. Like if if you were bringing in like the trade descriptions up to whatever it is or the fair trade whatever, the,
1: fair whatever trade. the yeah, it's
2: true, yeah, it's true. Whatever the law is, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: it's like you go and buy like a box of veg and then you take it home and there's like three mouldy fucking carrots in there. You're like, hang on a minute, that's not what I paid for. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: but you're not paying for the good review. You're paying for what the good review should be able to get you, and that line isn't it? Like, yes, if you buy, if you're buying it strictly just as a review. You've got your 800 words on a website or in print, fine. But that's not what you're paying for. You're paying for, you know, more listens. More, well, you're basically paying for that to earn you money
1: further on down the line in merch. Yeah, it's meant to be like a financial investment, essentially. Like, but it isn't. No way. No way are you going to get that 200 quid back from this magazine or this website. You're not, man like and I think but I think people believe they will and the editors the equivalent of us three elsewhere tell these people that they can tell these people that it will work out from like 200 pound we have this many readers blah boom, blah boom, blah this this is fucking sick for your band and it's like all right yeah it is because you know this this magazine saying your band is really good essentially that is good that is cool you can't argue that 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 is a bad thing because it isn't but
2: no everybody loves to read that don't they like if you read somebody saying that something that you've done is good you're like yeah great
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's like the money they've spent and what they're led to believe will happen from it is just like preying on like naivety, really, of all ages and all bands, really. And I think uh, that's where it's wrong. That's where it's wrong, you know. But
2: I will say this. If anybody does want to send us money, (laughs) with no expectation whatsoever,
1: I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah, Um, if you you want to pay us like 20 quid, we might say you're shit, but we might say you're (laughs) right. Yeah,
0: well, (laughs) well, this is the thing, you know, like if you... As a, going back to that, is there this expectation that you have to say something good if someone pays you? Like, if there was a disclaimer at the start of the article, and all parties, um, you know, entered into this willingly and fairly, um, they paid the money. And, you know, at the start of the article, you said, by the way, uh, this is a paid advert disclaimer. The artist has paid for this to be the featured track of the week, for example, if that was like a, something you had on your website. Um, you know, w- would that make a difference? Like, Because you're then not being disingenuous you're saying they yeah they, they paid us and we we are going to put this track on the front page for like the next week like is there a problem with that for example
1: yeah yeah because it's i think honesty has just gone out the window then because like because i think i think so to magazines exist because people who are passionate about the topic in hand i, I want to bring light to stuff and keep keep the exposure and progress and elevation of the whatever it is alive you know do their part to help out the the whole thing that they can it's hard to explain but it's like yeah people should do it to to support the cause in any way whether that's like it's to expose that it's going downhill or expose it's going uphill but it should be it should be to to be a, a part of the national scale and yeah support the scene and the industry Yeah, people should want to do it for honesty and nothing else, uh, because it's something they feel that their opinion is, you know, that they have the confidence and want to broadcast it.
2: I think it's one of those situations, so I remember, again, when they used to actually buy and read magazines, they would have um, sections in there where they would be reviewing kind of, it would more be like a piece of equipment, so, you know, they might be reviewing like an amp or something like that. Yeah. And it would go through, but it'd be written in the same sort of like house style of the magazine. So it didn't look like an advert. It didn't pop like an advert straight away when you, when you, it'd always be like a double page spread thing. You'd fold it over and it would look like it was part of the magazine, like it was another article. Mm. And, you know, you'd have the geezer that wrote it at the top and everything else. Everything looked exactly the same. But then right at the bottom, in really small letters, um, would be paid promotion. Which is kind of ironic in a way because the moment you see that and you realise instantly, as you're halfway through reading it, you're like, "Oh, trash, ignore."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know, you know, he's not talking because he loves amps. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly.
2: just yeah, like, yeah. can't even play
1: guitar. But it, it's
2: <laughs> so then when you go over to the next page, I think the irony that that exists it's kind of this ah uh, like naive assumption that that isn't going on in one way shape or form with the rest of the content of the magazine did they draw a short straw in the office and go right sorry steve you're doing the paid promotion bollocks
0: this week it's your yeah turn. i like, think it's very common like you said like sponsored content paid promotion yeah. it's part and parcel <laughs> you now. don't
2: want to put your name on that though do you particularly like if you were known as the the, the fluff guy you know <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, but no, nobody's, so this, this massive like magnum opus review or this column that I've written on, you know, like the emergence of this, that and the other, whatever, like this massive think piece that's taken him, you know, like a couple of months to get from the initial idea all the way through. He's worked really, really, really hard. And then all of a sudden he's writing these guff pieces. It's like, well, that's going to make you look back at the rest of his work and go, oh dude, come on, really? Like, is that, is that what you
1: are? Like, I just think people should write about stuff because they like talking about it. The goal should never be to make money. And if you do, that's really great, man. But when people are like charging left, right and center to just fucking lie and just chat and, you know, say whatever the company or band wants them to, then what are you? You're just a billboard, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? You're not, you're not, like, a, you're not like an honest magazine expressing opinions.
2: Well, to give like a personal example, I will, because I'm a bit sad, um, in the days when we could go to the pub and we could sit around and we could have a drink in a real beer garden, I would like pull up the website, go to one of my articles and show people and go, oh, look, look at that. I I wrote that, you know, bit of a nausea thing to do. But I also sort of promote the podcast to people. I'm like, oh, listen to this. It's really cool. I'm not going to do that if I've written, you know, like somebody's paid me 80 quid to review something that's absolute toilet and I've got to be nice about it i'm not going to be like read this review that i wrote it's, yeah. it's embarrassing it. isn't it oh think. man i'd yeah. be i'd be mortified like, okay so i trashed um an album by a relatively big band like fairly early on uh, yeah <laughs> because i started to listen to the album and i was like oh this is this first track's pretty bad listen to the rest of the album was like that is absolute trash that is a joke they are completely selling out their entire their their, their prestige you know that they're, they're devaluing their whole back catalog by doing this i was furious man so like 45 minutes of like hammering it out and it kind of hopefully like it read quite amusingly it was quite a good sort of trash kind of thing but i felt that and that was genuine and i was like and i was more annoyed because I've put out like two of my favorite albums and then they've just peddled out this absolute piece of shit. And it's exactly the same as what we would like, what we would be doing if it was, you know, cash for good reviews. Like I'd feel dirty taking that money. I would. Yeah.
1: Because it's like, imagine sending that review back off to the label or their manager or whatever, because they're obviously going to want to see it. And then you would charge like £80. They'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> exactly.
2: And I'd be like, you ain't getting that money back and I will not get any more off you. But Yeah,
1: exactly. Not- but this, is what these, this is what these people are worried because they obviously have like a good networking connection with labels and whatever. So they're like, ah, oh, if we slag this record off, are this label going to now stop paying us for the next 10 releases they have over the next six months? And you know oh okay so there's 10 albums coming out that's 800 pounds hypothetically that we're gonna just not see because uh they they, they don't trust us i would rather take the initial 80
2: quid write the review that i want to write show them the middle finger and lose the 800
1: because i could walk away (laughs) with my head held high yeah because did did you read any other reviews for that said album online because people were saying it was good For real? Yeah, bro. No, I, I know the one we're talking about, four, but four I... Four out of five, five out of five from like, you know, Revolvers websites like this, you really? know, man. E- even like middle, small websites. Um, And I guarantee, I guarantee they pay, they pay for okay, it. Okay,
2: so I'm just going to, I'm pulling this straight from memory. So one of the tracks I commented was a, it was like a sloppy imitation of a Gary Glitter song.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> now, obviously, there's subjective elements to all reviews and, you know, Primarily, they are subjective, but there are going to be identifying features that most people, if I played them a Gary Glitter song and then I played them this, they'd be going, oh, yeah, yeah, that does sound quite similar. OK, how can you give like a good review to something that sounds like that from a band that can bring out things that they have in the past? and go yeah 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 that's a five star album and tell me you're not taking money for mate
1: mate I swear to god and there's people on YouTube who do similar stuff like this like a a, a verbal blog where they do reviews and discuss and these people were saying it was good man three even people even do you know what I saw one or two and they gave it like a three and a half a three and I was like you so fucking want to shit on this but you need the dollar yeah, that's that's the cop out isn't it? That's that I th-
0: like you know that that's the road that I would take, man. Like if I was in that position, I'd be like three, like room for improvement. but like yeah, like you said realistically, you just want to say like this this
1: was just not good enough, man. yeah. yeah, it's not good, but they're gonna give you shit. Joe. It actually happened to me once. I'll fucking say this. um I won't say the band or the the magazine, but i I actually did so there was this record that came through and I got asked to review it and I gave it a five out of ten said it was like not very good. It's actually strange when you when you have to give something out of 10 because it's, it's such a bigger scale than five. It wasn't very good at all, and I completely slagged it off. And so then I get an email from the manager, well, the, the the person running this magazine, basically saying, you're not writing for this site, this magazine anymore. You're too much of a risk and a liability. I've lost like a good business connection. I'm having to personally explain and fix stuff with the label. And I was, and it turns out the band, the label had paid the magazine £400 to be in this for, to, for me to review it. She didn't pay me a penny. She kept all £400. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, You've now put me at risk with this business connection just because she wants the label to keep paying them. So, yeah.
0: But was there like, did, was there an expectation that you would give it a good review? Was that explained to you beforehand? Or? I
1: was told absolutely nothing. I was not. Told. Well, they've only got themselves to blame then, haven't they? Like, exactly.
0: Because <laughs> if they told you going into it, then you probably would have said, like, yeah, I'll do it, or no, I won't do it. Like either way, yeah. like yeah, the, the, risk, you know. the
2: risk of sounding like that guy. Um, yeah. Maybe it's one of those things that you don't have to say from the get go because <laughs> it is so assumed that that is the yeah. case. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I know with the with the stuff that we do here. Obviously, you know, the music gets sent over to us from you know PR companies and whatever else. Um, like, I've never felt. I mean, obviously, that's coming from you rob but i've never felt the compunction to give a good review to something that i didn't like sometimes there'll be bands or or whatever that i've done like i might have reviewed their last couple of singles as well as whatever i'm reviewing now and i kind of i'm not nicer to them because i've done other stuff like if i genuinely like it and i can see what they're trying to do i maybe give them more credit but I would never lie about what I feel like um, it might be colored by other stuff that I've heard by them um, and be like, Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. So it's not as good an example of their work as maybe this is, but it's still not bad. Whereas if I'd have reviewed that completely in isolation, then I might've actually been a bit more favorable because I hadn't heard the thing before that was a little bit better, but that's, that's as close as it gets. Like I've never ever changed my mind on something thinking, Oh, do you know what? They aren't going to want us to review their stuff anymore. They're not going to share the article on Instagram
1: if I if I slag them off.
2: Mm.
1: Which, is, yeah. which is true, man. Like they're not gonna they're not they're not going to want to share it. Like look look at this bad review we got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: but but I think you're exactly right, James. Like the context it does matter because like if if we're honest, like a lot of the stuff we do is from like smaller bands. Maybe they're putting out their first thing. Maybe they're just kind of getting started. And like a lot of the stuff we get is like really well produced. Like, I I'm often impressed with the quality of the things we get from like you know smaller like unknown it's kind like of bands like i think it sounds really professional give
1: any attention yeah
0: actually. Yeah. yeah but it sounds really professional and it sounds good man uh, and i think like you know if you're like maybe like unnecessarily harsh on those like guys just starting out like i think you have to take that context into into account because you know like if you asked every if you were to judge like a megastar by their first ep you know they'd probably, they'd probably be like, well, I was just starting out, you know, I've made this music subsequently. So that's why it's okay. Like when you review a bigger band, it's okay to say exactly what the fuck you think, because like they've been doing it 20 years. And if it's shit, then it's shit. But like, you know, if someone's putting out a record, it's their first record and like, yeah, it's not super polished. Like I'm not going to trash it like horribly because, um, yeah, it's just, it's just not nice, man. Like I'll be honest if I don't think it's good, but, um, I think context does matter, like you said, James, definitely.
2: Listen, I mean, to echo the point that you've made, so I did two, the two interviews last week with uh, Rihanna Keen and Jack Cattell, and Hand on Heart hadn't heard any of their music at all before the day, Like, spent about, I don't know, hour, hour and a half going through, you know, looking at different bits, listening to things. I was blown away. I was like, I have, you know, I've been sleeping on some of these things. I, I need to, as we were talking about um, in the last time we did this, just go out on the random and just go and we'll pick a gig from people like we've never heard of. I mean, hopefully the more this goes on, the more people we will have heard of because we'll get used to who are the bigger players in the local scene, whatever it might be. Um, but there is really good stuff out there, which is why it's kind of more frustrating that that factors in when I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Why is it that, you know, these, these mega bands that have been around for for generations are putting out such middle of the road trash and yet there's all this good local stuff that's not getting the relative airtime or whatever it is. Um, I'd rather listen to that. I mean, that album that we were talking about um, by the big name band, I've never listened to it again because what the hell would I? Like, it was terrible. Shit. <laughs> terrible, mate. And it's it's kind of horrifying that, you know, if, say, you know, like, take take Jack Cattell and his band, if he goes out and pays um, a magazine, say, they could, his review could sit next to the review of this awful friggin' album and they could both get a five out of five because he's gone and he's paid like a grand to this high level magazine or Which he shouldn't have to do. Bro, he shouldn't have to pay exactly. a
1: thousand pounds of his own money. To do
2: that yeah. It's, it's, and that, that's, that's the criminal side of it.
1: It's not fair, man. Yeah. Because I don't know. I think, I think PR, I don't think PR agencies have much to do with it. I think labels and, you know, I just think how people, what people are into at the minute. Uh, it's all, it's all short term bland stuff getting. Exposure, And I think that music industry in the modern age really praises bland, unhonest work. And that's why, you know, like you say, go to a show in town here in Birmingham and there's like really good stuff happening, like genuinely, but no one fucking knows. You know, no one knows on the big scale because I don't know why, but stuff like that is not given a platform, whereas like bland, boring stuff really is. And I don't don't know why. I, I think it's maybe due to, the internet and streaming, everything like that, having given stuff a short-term life and people's attention span decaying um, as well. But yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame to see, but it's true. And when a big band like, like like we talk about puts out a record that is terrible and it still gets good reviews, like, I don't know, do you know what your mom would tell you off when you're little? you like, you should know better, like, act your age, not your shoe size. This is what they need to told, you know.
2: Well, I think the other side of it is that I've been, um, obviously when you were signed to, when you when get signed to a label, you'd occasionally, or I think the norm was more long-term contracts. So they'd sign you for, say, four or five albums. So you could afford to kind of slip up on the third album or the second album, because it would take a major thing for you to get kicked off your contract. And I'm not talking about, you know, kind of um, Marilyn Manson kind of stuff. Not like, you know, you would have to have terrible, terrible sales the first months to get pinned off because they've invested all this money into you. But it does give you that chance to kind of explore explore your music and, get, and drill down into what it is that you want to play and how you want to play it and all that sort of stuff. But then I think on the other side as well is the older sort of model – in when you signed to a label, it gave you all these options. So you would have somebody that did your promotion and your artwork and all of this sort of stuff. So effectively they would take away any other extraneous responsibility that you might have. So that again, so
1: true, man. So true.
2: Yeah. Whereas like you take, you know, like I was talking to Rihanna Keane about how, you know, effectively she's got to promote herself on social media. And she's, she was saying to me, she's like, I don't, I probably don't do enough of it, but I need to put more time into doing different things on Instagram and putting things out and stuff like that. And she said, you know, it is quite tiring and it is one of those things. Now, obviously, if you're going to drill down into it properly, every second she spends, like, promoting herself on on Instagram or whatever is a second that she's not sat doing what she wants to be doing, which is working on her music, which is the kind of... It's the negativity now. Do you know what I mean? I mean, look at like look at look at Led Zeppelin. Every single album that they released got absolutely trashed by Rolling Stone.
1: Absolutely trashed. Every single one yeah, I'm pretty sure that wasn't paid promotion. Yeah, exactly. And it's
2: like, but they were in a position where, you know, obviously the sales were coming anyway, because let's be let's be frank, Rolling Stone hadn't got a fucking clue what they were talking about. But yeah,
0: um, when the, were, were they just like hipsters? Sorry, to like, well, like, what was the, just, just a side of tangent? Like, what? Because I don't really know much about it. Like, were they, because obviously, I thought, obviously, I know like Zeppelin did get panned by the critics at the time, but yeah, man, the shows were selling out. Like, so what did Rolling Stone think was so bad about it? Is it like the old, like, rip off? Because, like, you know, they just rip off. Well, I think,
2: I think the, and this is me as like a huge fan, one and two are very similar albums in the terms of their sound. Obviously, it was kind of a Jimmy Page vehicle. He'd kind of, originally, they were going to be the new Yardbirds and he'd kind of stolen the name of this band and it it kind of had sort of an inauspicious start I suppose it just looked like he'd slapped this thing together to sort of just keep things going Um, but I think that the big thing is I'm not sure whether this is still the case or not but um, Led Zeppelin 3 was the most pre-ordered album of all time when it came out Um, and obviously when you've got two kind of heavy bluesy albums in 1 and 2 you'd be sort of expecting the same in 3 but obviously To make things worse, not only was it not one of those albums, it's very acoustic and pared back and and very much more folky. It opens with possibly the heaviest track that they recorded as a band in um, Immigrant Song. So it's got this massive rock opener. So obviously you've pre-ordered it, you've gone and picked it up the day it comes out, you've gone to the record store, you put it in and you're like, oh, yes. And then then it goes through and you've got like, you know, I'm going to get the wrong track names now, but, you know, like, thank you, Tangerine and and all that sort of stuff, all the much more paid yeah. back, and you're like, what the fuck? What
1: that's the fuck? Yeah,
2: that's even worse, it was pre That's why it got trashed, that got trashed massively, by like, right. yeah. but obviously, because they were in this, five, six album deal, with Atlantic, and whatever, um, it didn't matter, like, it turned into a massive sleeper hit, and for a lot of people, it is, you know, their favourite album, I mean, everybody goes, all oh, Led Zeppelin, 4, which obviously, well look what happened, like the best selling album, that they ever made, came out next, so imagine if they had a got dropped off their label after three and it's spectacular initially, spectacular failure, you're not going to get Led Zeppelin four, which was the yeah. that they put out. You know, it's crazy. Wow. It what a different it. time, man. Yeah, but you look at somebody that's self-generated and they bring out an absolute trash album, which gets panned. But
1: yeah. well, if
2: they're self-generated, they might be so disheartened that they just come out of the industry altogether. You mm. know, yeah make that part-time job a full-time job and never go back to it never pick up the guitar again never write another song and you wonder what what we might be missing out on because it's not being nurtured in that way
1: yeah that's so crazy um what 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 a mad time i think um even just how you would pre-order a record then because you'd you'd have had to like walk into your record shop give like your name and address surely and like your landline like pay pay for the vinyl would have been a vinyl and then the record store would have had to call up the record label and pre-order x amount of numbers and stuff, then they'd have to all post it out. What? What a different time, man! To like, you know, uh, it, anticipate an album's release rather than just waiting for the upload. What? What a different time! It sounds
0: exciting, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds like this. It's more of a buzz than like, just like, oh yeah, dropping on Friday, stream it on Spotify, whatever. Like. I don't know man like i'd rather really get excited by yeah, stuff like that
1: nowadays i think like the the element of like mystery was so prominent then and that, that's yeah. maybe why like you yeah. say that album sounded a lot different to the first two Why well, i don't know because that's so mad how fans are listening in their bedrooms or like or their lounge would have been uh like loving this whereas like rolling stone whoever was rolling at the time was like this is a piece of shit <laughs> like and <laughs> that, that that's that's so crazy man yeah what I don't, oh man what what a, what a juxtaposition in the music world and just how 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 traditional that was.
2: Well it's crazy now that so there was the ethos of the time. now I'm gonna sound like I was around at that
1: particular time <laughs> but I, I wasn't
2: um, so let, let's just clarify that first of all. Um, I mean technically, I wasn't born for three years after Zeppelin told it, so let's let's just get that clear. let's get that clear. <laughs> but right so there was this whole ethos where if you were an album band, you were seen as you could look down upon the singles bands. So these people that were like getting number ones every, you know, like every six months or whatever, or whatever it was. Yeah, with like seven poppy Hoppy singles um, were looked down upon by these album bands. And Zeppelin were renowned for not releasing singles in the UK. Um, Yeah. But now it's kind of flipped totally. So again, referencing, I think it's, one of the best parts about getting to do the interviews and speaking to artists is you get to find out how they view the industry and what it is that they feel better doing. And it's totally flipped on its head. Now I think with the disposability of music and everything else, um, singles are much more, much more where it's at now. So I spoke to, like I said, Rihanna Keane and she basically said that, you know, she's got, I think she had like six to eight songs that she's got like written sort of in the bag because of lockdown she had much more time to do writing and stuff and i said i was like oh so you're gonna you know put that together as like an ep or stick it with singles and she's like no no, i want it to be singles because you get to work on the individual tracks and they don't kind of get you know lost if you release them all to all yeah that's so true and i was like but that is you know that's Mm -hmm. a very smart way to do it because with the way that the industry works now and with spotify and streaming and everything else if you put it all into an album then it can just, it is just going to get lost. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody might listen to like half of the first track and not like it particularly. Um, and if that's a single, then okay, well, there you go. That's one song that maybe didn't win that person over. But if they listen to the first track of a 10-track album and bin the whole thing off, that's, that's, that's you know, you're 11 songs in in the bin.
0: Yeah, it's so weird just because – I know what you mean, though. Like, it's true. Just because they're all in the same list (laughs) under the same heading on Spotify, people will just discard it. Like, like, yeah, like, I definitely see that. Whereas if, you know, they come out one at a time – and you click on it and you're like oh yeah i like this one i don't like this one i like this one yeah, um,
1: add it to a playlist do all that stuff. but yeah exactly yeah yeah
0: add to playlist yeah but with with eps or albums as you yeah. say like man seven tracks in like you can like make a video on that's you. no way like, i think
1: i think the internet allows for a much stronger single promotion than in the past that that's where the internet can really help push a single song because yeah the single might only have like a i don't know a six week life in terms of like where it's like floating around and people can connect with it but it's it's there forever and it's easier to push that on all the platforms youtube soundcloud spotify everything man everything i think and yeah because people yeah do people want to hear a record an ep it, within within certain genres i think the genre she does calls for more singles and i think i think yeah i think that's that's using the internet to your advantage absolutely well i
2: think that's the difference so it's it's easier to get a single because obviously what we're talking about now is um so it's basically the music gets picked up by like curators of a playlist or a thing yeah. or whatever <laughs> that's, so fucked. It is. that's so fucked as well and it's nuts like i mean surely okay i was gonna say this but like when i used to make playlists that i would you know i'd make a playlist for like a road trip or you know you're driving down somewhere to go on holiday, or I'd make a playlist to play in the kitchen when we all work together. Sorry to drop that bomb, guys. We did all used to work in a kitchen together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there would be certain bands that I would maybe only know that one song, and that would be it. And it would be, whenever I made a playlist, it would be that song by that band that would get onto the playlist kind of thing. Mm. But then you look at somebody like uh, like Georgia Smith, who is, you know, local from local. Warfell, yeah, yeah, gets picked mm. up because Drake heard her song and put it out on social media is like, oh, this is my jam at the minute. And there was it. She just went like you know, like into the stratosphere kind of thing. And that's, you, you know, it's not going to work if you're trying to promote a whole album. You know what I mean? If you've, you if you're putting things out, you do want to have little bits here or there. You want to split them up as much as possible and, you know, sow the seed, give it more yeah. chance.
1: Because, because especially with that line of, you know genres. Um, people just want that little hit, man. That little injection, that little bit of paracetamol, just to remind them what's going on.
0: Yeah. So maybe when people are like, like going through these traditional methods, like whatever, like paying for your song to be featured on, on like a magazine or on a blog, like. Maybe that's just like, well, as we say, we don't really like the sound of it, but maybe it genuinely is just wasted money. Like maybe you are, because like TikTok, YouTube, you can just upload shit for free, right? Like you can just put your music on the internet for free. So like, why just do that? Like instead of paying like people to feature on a blog that like most people like, like ours, obviously probably never even heard of ours. Like, you know, like even if people did pay us, like I genuinely don't think it would actually help them in any sort of way. Whereas if they uploaded like, 200 videos on youtube in a year for free that would help them, right so maybe it's a case of people just need to like just give up the give up the fucking ghost with this stuff already and just actually go and make use of the free platforms that exist and um yeah
2: i think that's i like I, the idea that we're part of that solution in the sense of that you know admittedly yeah, yeah. it's a bit more long-winded and we might get the email we might not get the email we might read it, we might pick it up listen to it and whatever else blah 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 um but I like the idea that we are kind of, in whatever small way, um, if we write a review of somebody's uh, stuff, um, we've got that level where they know that what whatever they're reading, um, whoever it might be, whether they're, you know, from our, our third biggest readership in career,
0: Um you know. it, yeah, Columbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
2: weird. Um, <laughs> the idea that somebody in Columbia has written has read what I've written is is amazing. But um, at least they know that whatever it is that we've written about uh, is actually what we feel. Um, it's not cost the band anything, you know. I'm not at no point of be writing a little disclaimer underneath the banner. You know, this will get you twenty percent extra sales in your next gig. So mm. The people that read, you know, you know what I mean, like all that. Yeah,
1: all
2: that. but I can't. I think for me, the big thing, so I, um, I'm just going to pull like randomly, like I've got um, the Gaslight Anthem album, the 59 sound on vinyl. And it's one of, you
1: know, one of those
2: simple pleasures in life to be able to, you know, take it off the little shelf. You've got the thing in your hand, you can see the artwork and, you know, you get to put it on, you get to listen to it in the order that the artist intended it to be in. And well, within reason, I know labels sometimes fuck around with stuff like that, whatever it is, but you know, and then you listen to it, and you have to kind of to hear the second side. You've got to get up off your ass, and you've got to go and physically turn it over and put the needle back down, and whatever else. Like there's something about that process that just that makes me happy, you know. And it is. And I don't get me wrong. Like I've got Spotify. I've got the app on every frigging device. I've got it on my TV, and I do just sit there listening while I'm reading a book or something. And then I'll occasionally look over and go, oh yeah, that's nice. I'll read the name of the artist. Will I write it down anywhere? Will I save it to a player? Will I curate? No. And it's just in out gone. Do you know what I mean? And it's totally different to, you know, putting, putting the actual physical thing down and buying it and keeping it. And it's there in a place, you know, people could come over when that's allowed again and they can go through the records and it's kind of a, in a limited way, it's like looking into who I am as a person in a bit. You know, this is this is what he likes. This is what, you know, this is like Jim's musical comfort blanket. Do you know what I mean? This is where he goes to his little happy place kind of thing. So I don't know
0: where I was going with that. I just kind of went into it. <laughs> that's my ode to vinyl. There you go. That's fine, man. Yeah, I always love a bit of vinyl talk, man. So a little bit of recycled news from last week. We talked about a little Uzi and... Uh, that $24 million diamond in his forehead. We were discussing the relative merits of that, but there's actually a part two to the story. So a follow-up, if you will, because um it came out yesterday that he said he originally bought this, this, this forehead diamond to be worn as a ring. Um, and he, he explained the only reason the accessory was put into his forehead was that he couldn't trust himself not to lose it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, so, but that raises all sorts of questions, you know, like yeah. uh, my, my house keys are quite important. I don't want to lose them, but wow. I don't like graft them to my skin. <laughs> you know, could he just like be more careful with his possessions? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean,
2: I, I, don't, I don't get my child <laughs> surgically attached to my leg every time we go to the shop for fear of me losing him.
0: You just like sew him to your side. I mean, like, okay, oh. he's,
2: he's freaking nine years old now. He's, you know, he's not exactly going to fall down the, the, the back of the sofa and me lose them, But you know, <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're that worried about losing a diamond maybe you don't buy a 24 million pound fucking diamond maybe maybe your first response shouldn't be i'll get it surgically attached to my
1: fucking forehead
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, or leave it where home. do you
1: draw the line with this man like you're gonna get a gift card put in your cheek or something i don't know yeah I don't it know just seemed that odd guy that thing. had
2: his nipple pierced and he used to put his house key on like a ring on his nipple it was like, <laughs> what the fuck man Fantastic, you probably aren't going to lose it. But what happens when you get to your door? You're going to like just hoist your tits out. <laughs> no,
1: what is wrong with people? Like, I am quite forgetful. And I had a habit for years of writing stuff. I needed to do that day on my hand with Sharpie. And there's like, loads of photographs of me in the past. And I have like my arm on someone's shoulder and it's like, phone, nan. And like, And I don't know, like today, like...
0: I went to meet- the most banal version of Memento. Yeah, I went to meet was. like my
1: stepmom's dad for like for a walk, and I wrote like ten thirty on my stomach, so I saw it when I woke up <laughs> like, in like big green sharpie. Can I just say I would
2: absolutely watch Memento starring Rob? I just would. Yeah, <laughs> we should reshoot it shot for shot just with Rob in it. That'd that'd be that'd be immense.
1: Yeah, if the offers there, like I'll do it. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, man. So,
0: well, if I could quote the exact quote, he said, "I'm Lalouzi. I'm turned up. So, twenty-four million dollars on a ring is the stupidest idea because I'm going to look down and that ring ain't going to be there. I know me. I wake up in odd places and different scenarios. So he knows this about himself. He's not he's not ignorant of the fact going into the purchase. But you know,
1: I guess he's just kind of said like, yeah, I get waved every day and I don't really know where is going to end. So, and th- I really like this and I spent a lot of pounds on it, but." Um... I don't want to. Lo- I don't know, man. What the fuck? This is. I don't know. Uh, but then it goes down to the fact: if I had like twenty-four million quid dollars, I would not buy a fucking diamond, mate. You know?
0: What yeah, I would. If he if he knows he's going to lose it, I would reinvest.
1: I would start them, a band. Me. Yeah, I'd start a band and just do all the paid promotion I could and be fucking number <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> yeah, you you, you you give at least two million of it to after uh, to Footline social There you
0: go. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, boys. <laughs> just,
2: just to that. clarify, turned up. Means excited, adrenalized, or intoxicated.
0: Because
2: wow. so, uh, I haven't got a fucking clue what that meant. So uh, there you go. I've uh, I've I've learned some 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 slang
0: there. Some slang today, yeah. Well, he know he knows he's going to lose it. So his solution was to put it in his forehead. You know, my solution would be something different. But we're different people, so that's fine. You know, he can he can do what he wants. Well, at the risk of of changing the subject
2: <laughs> completely and utterly, there's something I kind of. No, please Something do. that I read this please morning, do. which I don't know whether to feel bad about not knowing anything about it beforehand. Um, so there is a uh, Spanish, probably even hesitate to use the term Spanish um, for reasons that will become apparent. So there's a guy called Pablo Hasel who is um, he's in prison at the moment. And effectively, he is a very outspoken um basque separatist kind of artist so obviously he wants um the basque region to become separate from spain and obviously we've had issues
1: um with the catalan and stuff yeah
2: yeah so it's um
1: i was actually there when they did a massive protest i was on the front line by accident
2: he has come out with some very strident lyrics um so he's referred to this the former spanish king uh juan carlos as a drunken tyrant and a mafia capo He's praised ETA and other terrorist groups, calling the National Police murderers um, and accused the Guardia Civil of torturing and murdering migrants. Um, so originally, it was sentenced to two years. Um, then it was reduced on appeal to nine months. And he, supposedly, he had to report for prison um, at the end of January. right? So on Monday, he basically barricaded himself in a university and refused to leave. So he said he was going to make it as difficult as possible for the police to get him. Um, and throw him in prison, basically. But they then did go in and managed to get him on Tuesday. So, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday? So, so they went through, they, like, broke, broke down the barricades. with like, 50 of his supporters. Um, but he does have some some quite big names, so like Javier Bardem. They've sort of signed an open letter expressing their solidarity with him. I don't want to get into a massive debate about, you know, self-determination and independence for regions that don't see themselves as you know being part of a greater thing so like you know like scottish independence and you know welsh and devolution as a whole but i just found it kind of admittedly as awful as it is that obviously he's been you know locked up now it's kind of nice to see because obviously music was supposed to be that Um, that thing where, you know, like the punk movement and everything else, it's supposed to be a force for change in certain circumstances. I think it's just nice to see that that is something that it's doing again. Um, Not necessarily, but we'll take it as such. It's a brilliant contrapoint to the little Uzi thing because as much as it's, it's fun to point at these people and go fucking morons with their too much money and their no sense and whatever else, it's nice to see that people aren't just, you know, it's not all about, you know, cash money and it's nice to see that it's actually still being used in in a in a way to 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 something that's going to make people's lives better or representing an actual viewpoint that people have rather than you know surgically attaching a pink diamond to you
0: <laughs> yeah man music is a form of protest and and for change and for all this stuff man yeah that's that's you know that's an old idea that's been around forever man but i just don't think it gets the exposure Um, In the same way that obviously you know a guy putting a diamond in his head would, but yeah, you're absolutely right.
2: I think it's just it's become it's come out of the modern sensibility. I think it's kind of almost I suppose you know protest songs and songs about regimes that they don't agree with or whatever else. So you know you've kind of got the '60s era and then like the 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 punk era, but since then it's kind of gone a little bit quiet, Um, which is kind of a shame because it's supposed to be. One of the things, you know, like one of the mirrors that you can hold up to society, you know, you just have like a free press that calls calls these people to task and says, look, you know, what you're doing here is wrong and what you're doing there is wrong. To a certain degree now, free press isn't free press because, you know, all bar a couple of publications, they're all owned by these singly held massive corporate con- you know, conglomeration type things. Um, and necessarily they're just going to say whatever the owners want them to say kind of thing. Um, but I suppose maybe music's gone the same way. I suppose it's all this kind of homogenization of the corporate culture kind of thing. You've all got to fit into these neatly arranged little boxes. Um, I suppose it's that sense as well that, like, you know, when Rob was saying earlier that it's kind of generic, sort of bland music that's coming out, it's because nobody's going to take a risk anymore. I mean, if if Frank Zappa was was around now, nobody would have taken a risk on Zappa. To, to, to release whatever you know whatever we wanted to do it's kind of crazy it's almost that you know it's sad that the only way you're gonna hear about or see these kind of off the wall innovative acts is by just turning up on the random and catching them in a in a gig of you know with an audience of like 60 people because that's as far as they're gonna get now wow that's a depressing
0: note to end that on <laughs> no but you're right man like yeah but, and when things kind of get back to normal you know we'll be able to do that
1: i think that whole 60 people showing up thing is it's obviously still there though that like small level independent thinking is still there when people want to show up on a random or support the local times because um without that where where does it go without that how does anybody get anywhere and i think i think that's what needs to stay and the local venues need to stay because without local scenes and even small venues mate, it doesn't matter it doesn't fucking matter um without that where does where does anything go nothing has a chance to bloom or like support itself and without the people injecting like a passion into this um nothing nothing has no 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 seed is being planted anywhere man and it's like you know those 60 people might support something like that that's happening in spain something like that do you know what i mean and it's like um it's like you have to project your message and Enter people's minds somehow with what you're doing, um, rather than not taking a risk. Because if you don't, yeah, 10 people might take, take a risk and it might fail, but one might take a risk and it might just blow up. Why do you think like new metal got big? I don't know. Uh, you know, Henry Rollins did well with in, like not him, but Black Flag, you know, yeah, Frank Turner, anybody, you know what I mean, like Wu Tang, anyone did taking. I know these are huge names, but it's someone has to make a change somewhere and try something well,
2: because to- yeah, they, they are huge names, and that, that's kind of it's like in your interview that you did with uh, with lauren israel it's kind of he was the the points that he re- that he started to raise and things that he mentioned is that it's um like the labels in general are massively risk averse so you know obviously you mentioned that when you become president of a label you don't want to fuck shit up you just want to keep the train rolling kind of thing um and he said you know one of the, the biggest points is how did they sleep on on streaming how is it that they didn't go out and do the streaming thing for themselves? Why did it have to be via a third party? Mm. I mean, like, you know, obviously you've got Apple Music eventually, but Apple Music came way after. You know what I mean? It was it was such a kind of a, an afterthought in a, in a sense. And like, you know, same difference. Why, why didn't they do festivals? Why is it festivals are third party? It's because somebody else has got that vision and gone, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Because they're outside the circle, I think, on the original. Yeah, but from where they started, they're outside.
1: And they don't they don't have the risk of a new idea failing that can, can that can just be a huge waste of money for this industry that relies on short term financial income, you know, of like one album being released or now like a single, anything like that. It's like, oh, we're gonna plug all this money we have into this one day festival and it wouldn't have failed. We all know it wouldn't have failed because we've seen how successful festivals have become, but they're like, Oh, what if it failed? Like I'm in the shit then completely.
2: Listen, well, I suppose that's the, that's the kind of the mentality where, you know, like we were saying earlier with sort of, you know, the Zeppelin example. And, and I mean, oh Christ, if we, if we had to ask each other, we could all come up with an example where, you know, there's films or albums or whatever that, get panned critically, don't do very well when they first come out and then they become like this cult sort of, they always call it like a cult following but I think that just means that it's, you know, it wasn't like a massive runaway mainstream success. Like you could end up actually having sales generated that would outweigh a lot of the big mainstream things but because it happened after the original release it's classed as a cult following. And I it. think
1: it's like long-term commitment as well. Yeah. to it,
2: But they can afford to do that because they're this big entity that makes a lot of Shorter term gains on like the other the other side of the you know the the, the P and L sheet you know that comes in, but then obviously the, the long the slower burner whatever's you know there's, there's those albums that were overlooked or misunderstood or but large in a large pr- proportion they were probably just not what was actually being you know that were, weren't what was mainstream at the time so it wasn't going to be part of this massive zeitgeist success it just took a while for that to then become a bit more mainstream maybe in other circles. And then somebody comes back and goes, Oh man, this is brilliant. Like this is exactly what it was.
1: Yeah. This was a real like innovator of this thing. But at the time, no one gave a shit and it's like, yeah, yeah. Because if those 60 people you'd spoke about hypothetically, for example, in, in every city in England, that's that's not enough man that's not enough that that's that's not a big enough fan base like nationwide and everywhere you go it's uh but if there was 300 then you're like oh yeah i'm onto something you know but and i think yeah someone's like oh this oh, you know this guy this this band started this whole thing When it's like well no one actually gave a fuck when this was going on like everyone seemed to just you know discard it like throw it away in the bin whereas like i don't know five people of, of those 60 heard it and their interpretation of it and added some extra stuff and that that band became big you know
2: it's crazy like it's the, it's the um, it's the curiosity thing so if you get so okay so the, the 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 big kind of seeding point for a lot of the post-punk stuff that came out of Manchester was like almost legendarily this um, sex pistols gig that happened at the free music hall in Manchester right so obviously if you ask around you know everybody says that they were there. So, you know, the, the, the 80 people or the 85 people or whatever that were actually in the audience, if you went and round and asked Manchester, it would have been like 500,000 with the amount of people that they there. But nonetheless, like it was a band that was struggling to get um, airtime. So, you know, they couldn't get on TV shows and stuff because of the kind of stuff that they were coming out with and whatever else. Um, and obviously people didn't want to book them because they weren't sure about how much money they were going to make um and obviously look at what happened like this gig uh was in a venue that should have held i don't know 500 600 people and nowhere near that many turned up to see them right so it was it was a a proper outlier situation but then you look at who the the people that were in the audience of that gig you know that went on to form these you know bands like the smiths and you know joy division and stuff like that and it's kind of whatever it whatever it takes we need to like preserve this atmosphere or this this scene that promotes that kind of, you know, that lets these curious, like these musically curious people to to be in the same place at the same time to kind of germinate into bands and groups and feed off each other and, and create newer music. Because if you imagine like, where, you know, if people hadn't met each other at that gig or hadn't seen it and gone, shit, man, we could do something like this. And then they go away like that. You take away that spark of inspiration. Um, how much stuff
1: are we going to be missing out on? Wow. You're so correct, bro. You're so, you're so right by saying that you're so true. Like, um, yeah, even if there's like 120 people at like a DIY, like localish national, like, you know, show with the scene, it's like, I don't know, 10 gazers in that crowd might start three bands, like three separate bands between them. And who knows what they'll go on to do. It's like, And without without that underlying, I don't know, man. Almost like not succeeding input, you can't have the so successful aftermath of it.
2: Listen, it's like you've got to have. So there's almost inevitable. I mean, okay, the, the Sex Pistols in this sense are a bad example because they obviously were then successful, right? But if you there must have been like there would have been bands that you know there's you kind of read about them in in. Biographies and autobiographies of artists, where they went to go and see an artist that was maybe you know utterly utterly terrible, um, or they pushed the envelope in one way, but they went far too far, or they pushed this, or they did that, or whatever. But it was this this small little part of what they were doing that sowed the seeds to the people that were in the in the you know in the audience, yeah. and maybe they had intended to go and see this person, maybe they hadn't, maybe it was like you know a warm up band. I mean, me and Theo went to a gig. Like six, seven years ago, or whatever. And one of the warm up acts that was at that gig, I still listen to. Like, I think he only released really like one EP or maybe two albums total. But I still feature him on little playlists here or there and, you know, sit and listen to him every once in a while. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I haven't gone on and had a, a glittering multi platinum selling career based on this lick that he played in the third song of that set. But, uh, you know, there's that level of influence there that if I hadn't been at that gig, I'd have never heard about this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that's the problem. Like, like we were saying that if the scene doesn't exist or there's no for these bands to go out, um, like when I interviewed Jack Cattell, we were talking about how there's going to be people who would be right on the cusp. They've got their band together. They've written a little bit of stuff together, but now due to restrictions, they can't go and meet up and jam and rehearse and, write together and they definitely can't go and put a gig on. And I hate to think of the bands that maybe would be having, they would have had their first gig in like November or December or something of like last year or in April or whatever. But because of lockdown and everything being shut, it never happened. And then maybe they don't go and knock those doors anymore. Maybe when it comes to it, they've had to get a part-time job. And then they don't have time to do the music. And then by the time it's come all to a, to a final end, you know, like one of the enough of the band have sort of split up or gone off and done other things that it never actually materialises. And you just think to yourself, are we going to end up with this little pocket where there's kind of a little gap almost, where it was the people that had made it that have got through now, the people that had just got their foot in the door enough or just started enough, to keep going through the lockdown and we've got this swathe of people that would have had that first sort of toe in the water, that little dip into it. And now they're not going to come to anything.
0: Yeah. Thanks. That's uh it's going to be it for the, uh, for the podcast today. Thanks Jim and Rob for um, coming on. Like always, man, some good chat. Um, anything you want to say, Rob and James, let's do Rob.
1: I would like to say, just keep supporting the music that you feel passionate about and that you feel a connection to. And always, Always try and look out and take a chance on a new band or new artist because you never know. You might think they're terrible, but you might think they're actually all right and pretty good. So without, without you know decisions like that, so much of time and history could not have happened. So be that person to carry the flag forward.
2: Yeah, nice, man. Inspiring. How about you, Jim? Well, yeah, I think um, as much as obviously what we're all focused on at the moment is what are we going to be able to do when everything goes back to normal? Like we keep saying like how many little gigs are we going to be able to go to and how much of this, that and the other, but maybe take that first step now. So have a little deep dive, go through social media, like go and go and listen to a genre that you've never heard anything from before or go and pick up some smaller artists and stuff. I mean, it's easy to go and grab you know, your, your favourite album and put it on for the 700th time. But maybe go out and find something that you can that you can go out and do when it all goes back to normal. Uh, give yourself a little option. Um, I'm not saying, you know, trawl through our reviews and go and have a listen to, to some of the bands. No, we are saying that. We are saying that. Go go, go and read um, <laughs> just, just no,
1: Especially kidding. at the moment, <laughs> like where
2: it's very easy to get in a rut and sit in your comfort zone and, you know, you put on the same series on Netflix just for background noise and all that kind of vibe um, give yourself something to be excited about give give yourself a change give yourself something else um, other than that with, with the lockdown bullshit it is getting to be a bit of a drudge um, just just look after yourselves man just be nice to people um, it's easy to be a dickhead when you're feeling a bit down but try and try and turn that frown upside down kids Just just be <laughs> nice to each other yeah
1: thank you very much for listening everybody we do appreciate it We do. Nobody else will put up with it. No. (laughs) Yeah, everyone out there listening,
0: thank you very much. And uh, yeah, more stuff coming soon. So take care and bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye, bye.